all HBCUs matter, too. Let's go! It's the Division II HBCU Roundup on HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today where we're talking about the Pioneer Bowl. If you don't know what that is, I'm going to tell you in a second. Uh, but we had our uh, SIC space on Twitter earlier this week. It was not broadcasted live on HBCU Pulse because in the Twitter spaces, we ran into a couple of technical difficulties. But I did record the space, and I wanted to share this moment where we talked about the reinstatement of the Pioneer Bowl. If you've not heard of the Pioneer Bowl, it was established in 1997 uh, as really the de facto Division II HBCU National Championship, where you often would see the SIC champion play the CIAA champion. Uh, it went on for 14 years. Uh, in 2002, 2008, and 2013, uh, it did not occur. But you often saw the CIAA and SIC have their champion or runner-up playing this game. And the thing about it is, is that the SIC and CIAA could still have playoff teams into the Division II playoffs. It was actually a really cool thing. Uh, it was ahead of its time, but it was of its time. Uh, in 2014, uh, we saw that both the SIC and the CIAA decided to cease operations on the game. And they said they'd bring it back, and they said that they wanted you know, to remix it, make it better, do something else with it, but it never came back. And then the celebration bowl for Division I came up. And before the Celebration Bowl, the Pioneer Bowl with the CIAA and SIC was the only bowl game for HBCUs. So because of that, and we saw the success of the Celebration Bowl, 2.4 million views uh, on ABC as reported by HBCU Pulse, as well as 49,000 plus fans in attendance in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. We had a discussion on if the Pioneer Bowl makes sense to bring back in 2023 and beyond, and if the SIC and CIAA should consider it, as well as if we should sort of copy the swag and the MEAC in general and have a CIAA versus SIC challenge, as well as the Pioneer Bowl to crown a Division II HBCU national champion. It's a great conversation. You don't want to miss it, so make sure to stay tuned. You're listening to HBCU Post Radio. I think that this would be a great segue into like the Pioneer Bowl conversation and we talk about this nearly every week i feel like we're okay. manifesting it to make it happen i think after what i saw yesterday we got we got to do it i don't know if dr holloman who of course is the commissioner side commissioner now i don't know if he's gonna hear this i don't know what we gotta do but can we do an exploratory committee can we do some research can we ask around because i think it'd be a great idea to bring the pioneer bowl back you, you know, like I was saying earlier when we was when we was tweeting, play that Pioneer Bowl on the same day as the Celebration Bowl. Push the Celebration Bowl back to 4 o'clock. Start the Pioneer Bowl at 11.30. Have stipulations that if you buy a ticket or whatever, you have to be in the stadium two hours after the game start. If you don't, if you're not in the stadium two hours after the Pioneer game start, then you can't get in. We do it when we go to concerts. They told us that we we got to be in within 30 minutes after it's starting. So why can't we? I think that would be a great idea. The only problem with that is the CIAA and the SEAC schedule ends 
basically the first, second week of November, and they're not going to play until the second, third week of December. But I think that it can be done, play both of them on the same day, and just and, and, and just have just have a big HBCU reunion. But I think that that's a, a brilliant idea. But see, here's the thing. The thing is that we have to realize that if we did a Pioneer Bowl, the ESPN most likely, um, they might they might have, and I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. But it's not going to be on ABC. You know, and it might not even be on ESPN, to be 100% honest. Like, we would have to engage possibly, if possible, maybe an HBC League pass on HBC Go or something along, along those lines because we want to get that level of visibility and we ain't trying to be on ESPN Plus for, for, for another week. Because I think that for the yeah. ball games, it brings money, a short power payout that the playoffs don't. It brings a level of it brings a level of visibility, and it helps in recruitment for our schools. Because I think that a lot of the conversations about Jackson State was about who, if white people were watching, or people that don't understand yeah. HBCU culture were watching. Like we, yes. we are a niche product, so we're selling yes. to a specific base of people. So we want to be in front of the most people in which we can sell our niche product to other folks that would be interested in our niche, which is we most likely black people, and then they can become infatuated with our schools and our history. So ESPN might not give us that basis because they have the D2 National Championship with two white schools on ESPNU. (laughs) And the the HBCU game was on ABC. So so, so at at that point, it's like, you know, it's contracts, it's negotiation, but it's also the options in the marketplace. But I honestly think that the ball game is like the new classic. How the classic used to be back in the day, where you have them in these different yep. exotic places and all the different things. I think that's what ball games are now. We got we got to hop in the game. I think. Yeah, hey, I can, think I, can I chime in real fast? Go ahead, Coach Thomas. I think if we push the the celebration bowl back, maybe a week. Um, I think that it might serve a better purpose for D two, just in case. You know, you have a Benedict that might go on the run. You have a Fairville State that might go on the run. You know, I feel like if we push the game back a week and if one of those teams do end up playing for a national championship, that could potentially give us an opportunity to have that HBCU D2 team in the game still. The only thing that that would be a drawback would be that the SWAC, you can't, we can't push it back. That means the SWAC will be playing in seven to weeks, and then MIAC will have like three weeks to a month off. That, that wouldn't work. And, and this is the deal, y'all. It, I work at one of these schools, man. It's, all, it's always going to be about money. And it, first and foremost, they don't care about how many people come in that stadium for the celebration bowl. Why? Because they care more. That's why ESPN does these games. That's why ESPN owns a bunch of these bowl games is because they get the corporate dollars for people to watch it on TV. So they don't care if anybody comes or not. The second part you got to consider is that break. It, it, it's already hard enough for schools, especially at the Division II level, to even house some of these kids past the time school is out, right? If you have them at, on campus, you got to feed them. You got to make sure somebody's there in the dorm to watch and all that stuff. A lot of these schools don't even see that kind of bread. It's a, it's a, it's a losing proposition. So you got to keep it tight, keep it to when they normally are in school and do schools and corporations have that kind of appetite for the division two game for sure. You know, they built that celebration bowl up and stuff, but look what they have to give up. They, they, they're not making the run for no, 
national championships, and that's what the Division II schools, and for whatever reason, they think they have an opportunity. We've seen a great Benedict team, wasn't even close. <laughs> I think the last team, I think Tuskegee made a mini run a couple years ago. Albany State, maybe a decade ago, had got deep. Uh, and I, I know um, Winston-Salem State has done it as well. Man, our, our schools, they're not built like that. It's the money part of it. And everybody wants to talk about the competition and all that kind of stuff, but these schools don't have money. And if the corporations ain't kicking in big money, then then all these ideas and stuff like that, man, it, it becomes a weight. That's why Pioneer Bowl didn't work the first time. Nobody was kicking in well, money. Well, I also think, think that, to, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but I also think to a certain point that the Pioneer Bowl was of its time, but also ahead of its time. Because the craze for content and also the bowl game concept now, it's, it's almost like it's different from what it used to be. Because everybody is looking for content because linear television is dying. So they're trying to see, man, how do we keep these sports fans interested in what's going on? You see the Celebration Bowl? It's, the Celebration Bowl averages $2 million every year. I think it might get $3 million because Deion Sanders leaving. Plus, it was a really good game at, honestly, a really good time. And there and there wasn't really there was only one other game that was on at that time, so like it brings it it brings in ratings. ESPN needs content. These these other these other media companies need content. I just think it works out, you know. Uh, you know, if we can't engage, if we can't engage ESPN, then let's engage NBC and Peacock. Let's engage Amazon. Let's en- we have to engage somebody if we cannot get ESPN on board. You have to go through another source to be able to get your product out. We can all, you know, it's nothing for ESPN, or I mean not ESPN, why not have Lee Pad Plus and NBC partner for this game? Right. You, 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 you know what I'm saying? Let's have them partner for this game to be broadcasted on Peacock, on NBC, and on Lee Plus. It's, it's ways to do it. Our leadership just have to make sure that we set it up right. And we can make it profitable for the conferences and the school. It's, it's, it's too much money out there on the table that we don't go after as, as HBCUs. It's just too much. The other part I, I think that, that folks don't consider is what does this do for the student athlete? If you're just talking about playing another game, it's it's not enough. Celebration Bowl, what they've done is put events around it, and they, they'll spend the money to do that. Uh, I, I work in SIC, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ask me what they do for the student-athletes outside of, hey, you're at the event. They don't do anything. Not a, not a one thing. <laughs> I've worked, and look, I've worked at other Division II conferences where I was responsible for making sure that the student-athletes had an experience. It ain't, I mean, hell, they've already played 10, 12 games, football or basketball. They've played 25 games. They don't care about playing another game except for, for the ring. But if you're not giving them an experience, then what are you doing? And so you got to think about dollars beyond just getting them on the bus and playing. Otherwise, it's 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 a waste. It's a, it, it becomes a net loss well, for everyone true. involved. You're right, but what a lot what we've seen a lot, and people are saying this with Tariq Cohen. They say that honestly, Tariq Cohen's performance in the Celebration Bowl of 2015 is what got him in the NFL. Like that's a that's a, a broader specter, a huge audience to display your talents to, 
to possibly have broader opportunities. But I agree with you. It needs to be a better way to engage the student athletes. But I think that specter of attention is important because if, if you look at it, there was only two HBCU games, two D2 HBCU games that were on TV. Rare Total Classic, Fort Valley, Tuskegee, and then you had Benedict versus, versus Savannah State. And TV still doesn't matter because streaming is great as far as access, but you get more circulation being on cable and especially network, which we only have two network HBCU games, the Bayou Classic and the, and the, and the Celebration Bowl. So, like, if, you, if we're able to pitch it and say, hey, and, and Amazon Prime is cool, but if we said to ESPN or Fox or NBC or, or CBS, hey, D2 HBC National Championship, we codify it in this way. Or with ESPN, we codify it within the Celebration Bowl. Have it on Friday or have it before or after the Celebration Bowl at some point. I feel like it can be a win because now there's more visibility that these HBCU athletes outside of an HBCU league pass, and I hear the HBCU go might, might hop in the fray soon, like they're not getting outside of that because ESPN Plus ain't really visibility, you know? And another thing, it's trash. It is. And you know, and you also got to look at it like this. Right now, it's the time to go engage. Uh, CBS is losing the SEC packet. They're going to be looking for content on the weekends. You know what I mean? Uh, Fox got the Big Ten now, wrapped the Big Ten up. And I think, do NBC have a part of the Big Ten as well before Notre Dame? But, you know, it's it's avenues that you can go and, and and try. We need to go and try. And like my buddy, like my good buddy said, it's also about this experience for these kids. Make these kids feel good, man. They work hard the whole year to get there. There's no reason for these kids not to feel appreciated or feel or feel on top of the world and they work this hard to get there. And you're gonna and we make money off of them. You know what I mean? Even though it might not be a lot of money, but we do make a little money off of them. So we got to engage that stu- the student athletes and have that experience be top notch. Y'all know I I'm, I'm on the fence about the whole idea of a SIC and CIAA matchup. Um, there was a couple of years. I think it was two. Um, and those particular years, I think Tuskegee played Winston Salem in Atlanta where they were on the same day as the Heritage Heritage Classic, which was the old kind of version of the Celebration Bowl. Um, I think for the SIAC and CIAA, um, if they were to engage in something like that, so you know the SWAC and the MIG, they, they started the year off with that SWAC MIG challenge. Um, so it's all already some type of competition history for them. Um, if you go back to when Tuskegee played Livingstone um, um, in that Pioneer Bowl, the attendance was a problem. That was one of the articles that I that I posted up. Um, you you'll mess around and get one of those matchups that people really just aren't interested in um, because we don't play each other enough to have built any type of rivalry type of thing. You know. I think the Celebration Bowl, um, that whole MEAC SWAC concept, and especially now since this, you know, the SWAC took a couple of MEAC schools, and the MEAC, you know, seemingly people say that it was dying and going away, um, but they continue to beat the SWAC in the Celebration Bowl. So it's like one of those things. I think they have a lot going for them that the SICNC.AA in that matchup, um, it just kind of falls 
flat. I know there was some hype. I know like the year before last, it was the hype of Bowie State versus Albany State. Of course, I that's not a matchup I wanted to see. I was excited to see. I I would have been excited to see a Benedict versus Virginia Union uh, this particular year. But um, I, I is it, it bothers me for that um, because I think about the year that Kentucky State won, um, went to the championship game. I, you know, you just mess around. I mean, think about a Pioneer Bowl with Lane versus Livingston. Well, well, that would happen. Livingston ain't going to Pioneer Bowl. <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, we... happened. Um, I was against it at first because, of, of course, Shawan was in the CIAA because people had a fit about the white quarterback um, being in the Legacy Bowl. Well, uh, last year, um, and they also had a fit one year when Kentucky State had a white quarterback that was up for a couple of awards and stuff, and people just was like, "Oh no, not an HBC." So, uh, I'm sure that had Shawan stay, like you know, they had an opportunity to win it this year. And so you think about it, we had that type of concept this year. What would people be saying? You know, it's like um, even though the PWI that's in the SIC does not offer football. Um, in Spring Hill, you just never know what the future um, the future holds um, down the line. So I'm um, I'm just kind of um, on the fence of it. Just just from a conference matchup standpoint, and two from from what I get from a lot of players, they want to play for national championships. Now I I agree uh, with uh, Mr. Moore that uh, our schools just have proven to not be built like that. Um, I think we have two HBCUs national runners, runner-ups um, in the NCAA Division II. Central State, one year they were a runner-up. Um, and Winston-Salem, that year they were a runner-up. Uh, Central State, I don't think they, I don't think their 10 years was in making the playoffs again. Um <sighs> I, you know, I mean, we we get beat down. You know, I was, Winston, Winston, not to cut you off D two. Winston went to the national championship because they booed down from D one, and them boys was and they them boys were dead ready. Good point. When they booed, they, when they moved down from D one, them boys were dead ready. They ran through the CIAA. They ran through everybody till they got to Valdosta. Uh, they was probably uh, two years down from Division one, and they still had Division one players. You know, they was carrying, they was carrying, Winston at that time, I want to say uh, Smoot, who was one of the running backs for them, was about 6'2", about 255, 260 as a running back. You know, and everybody think that the kid from Wilson from Fort Valley was big. No, this kid here was big. But, but he went to Winston to play Division One football. And when they moved down, they just they just didn't move on. They just stayed. And they made a run at the national championship. Even the quarterback, uh, Cam, uh, Cam Smith, you know, he transferred back to Winston from a PWI. And he had a great year. Cam had a great two years. So, you know, so we we have to – I would love to see a CIAA SIAC challenge the first week of the season. Yep. I would love to see that. I think that we we are too close conference-wise where we got uh, uh, conference schools in in the SAC in South Carolina, and we got 
schools in North Carolina. We are too close not to play each other every year. So let me let me say this part about about those kind of games. The reason why something like the Swag Me Act Challenge starts to work now is because they've invested in it. They put it in one place. They put it in Atlanta. They get the community involved. Again, they don't really care about selling tickets, but the community is invested in that. So that when you got a team like Howard coming up out of D.C., you know, it, it they can still have people who care. The problem with with a lot of things that happens on the Division II level is, is that they don't stick it out. The community doesn't get invested in it. And, again, I, I hope uh, 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 Mr. Holloman, uh, who I've known a long time, will fix some of this. But I can tell you right now that the SIC, at least, would not invest in the communities that they've been hosting championships in. So they really don't care. Uh, mm. Nice facility in Rock Hill, right? Beautiful facility. You know how many people came to that? Nobody. Why? The league yeah. didn't go put any time on the ground and let those people know, hey, we're here. When they were yeah. in Birmingham, they would not come here and put in the work to get the community into it. And that's how those things work. That's how bowl games work. That's you why right? you can change teams every year because you, the community is invested in those games even more than the teams that show up. And then the Indeed. other part you got to consider is this is that Division Two, for all intents and purposes, is a step down. Who watches, and I don't want to say this and make it sound bad, what? who watches second-rate football? What? You well, know, it, I, I, it's not second-rate, and it's not, it's not available to really even watch for real because that, that access isn't there. I mean, I was talking like an HBC League Pass Plus, two games on ESPN. It's not even there to watch. I think people will watch it. Uh, well, people are watch. Uh, I mean, the people gamble on tiddlywinks. Uh, that's that's that, no, no, come that's, on. The gamble look. They, they, <laughs> gambling, gambling, gambling moves the needle on a lot of this stuff. But people don't. People ain't putting up no money on no D two because they don't know about that stuff either. And that goes back to the schools and getting the information out. Trust me, if people knew more about Division two football, it would get on TV more. Why? Because the gamblers want it. But that's a whole nother story for another but, day. But the only, the only thing I would say about that, though, and I mean, Petra, I apologize, but the mm-hmm. only thing I would say about that, though, is that HBCU football doesn't get on TV anyway. Like, A&T didn't get on TV, there will be no FBS schools. You, you, ha- you have Jackson State with Deion Sanders, and, and I was told, and y'all see me probably arguing with folks on Twitter about how, oh, well, Deion Sanders brought visibility to HBCUs. He's only had outside the celebrate well, celebration for twenty twenty one two million views. His games never got over a million views, and out of I think thirty two thirty three games he coached, I'm coached. I'm getting I'm getting it sort of off. I think he had only ten games that were on linear television. So they they're not putting HBCU games on D one or D two. You know what well, I mean? So, so well, you know. Well, one thing one thing that 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 we should do. Or as the SIAC might need to do, and the schools in the SIAC, SIAC, they might need to look at the CIAA and how they get these people to that basketball tournament. Right. I just just said it, though. I just said it. It's an investment. You know, all the years they were in Charlotte, that wasn't a CIAA tournament. That was a Charlotte tournament. 
that right. people <laughs> love coming into the community and and having the parties and all. It didn't matter who was good or bad. Muggs was just coming because it was an event. And I haven't been or paid that much attention since it moved up to Maryland. But I bet you the people in Baltimore are oh they put down in. Oh, they did. I went last year. So, so when you invest, <laughs> when yeah. you invest, and the people come, it don't matter who good. Yeah. Go and, and, at all. And you, and, and and you are definitely right because I've been to I have been to the CIAA when it was in Winston, then it moved to Raleigh, then it moved to Charlotte. Now it's in Baltimore. We as a conference, the FAC need to mirror that. The, if the CIAA have to got anything right, they got that they got that basketball tournament right for sure. It's an investment <laughs> in it, and that's how that's how the Big East used to live. The Big East tournament used to be huge. Right, because they were invested in making sure that they all went to Madison Square Garden in New York City. That's how the Big East was able to rise. And you know, Big East didn't even have no football. Right? They didn't care about no football. They put all their money in the basketball train, and and they lived off of that until expansion and, and teams moving about changed kind of the the way conferences were aligned. But you just have to invest in your product, and unfortunately. At the Division Two level, for whatever reason, they don't. And that's one of the things that has uh, irritated me when it comes down to um, this move with the Tuskegee Morehouse Classic to Birmingham. Um, I, I understand, you know, the money that the city, you know, put up that made it attractive. But <clears throat> the fact was, you were going to have to sell. Um, you you were going to have to sell that Tuskegee Morehouse game to Birmingham. Um, of course, Morehouse attendance has started slacking, even in Columbus, um, because I, I do think like how we viewed the Columbus game and after they moved it from being a night game, all that was like it negatively affected because normally uh, when I was growing up going to that game, the fair would be there that weekend. It was a whole lot of things that were going on. Um, that would lead up to that game. So you would see the 30,000 people, whatever, that supposedly uh, been in that game. But then you start seeing it drop down. I think the attendance that they had this year was like 2,000 and something. At least that's what was put in. Um, I yeah, don't think it was 2,000 people. You won't be honest. It's a dead game in Birmingham. It is because it's it's much like Miles being in the city or, or you know, close enough to be a part of the city. Uh, when you look at the media buy-in in Birmingham, um, Alabama's first, followed by Auburn, UAB, Samford, uh, to an extent, Jacksonville State, believe it or not. And then after that, it's the high schools. Miles in Division Two is like seventh on the totem pole. Well, what I, what I was, what I was, I'm sorry to cut you off again. You know how Twitter mm-hmm. is. No, no, but I think, I think that there is a direct reason for that. And I think that is partly on the school's part especially the PR departments and the SIDs and the athletic department of communications, because there is no reason why you have HBCU that's in your area and it doesn't have more promotion than it does. And I look at it differently because I know when I back when I was at Fort Valley, we would always get mad like, Oh, the media doesn't come out. Let's some negative, let someone, let someone died or something happened or whatever. But as I got older, and, I, of course, I, I, I grew in my media knowledge and I graduated. Then I started doing HBC Pulse. And then they would say the same about Pulse sometimes. Oh, they Randall, don't, Randall went to Fort Valley. He don't post Pulse. He don't post, he don't, he don't post us. I'll, I'll be like, well, you have to give us something to, to post. You have to give us something to write about. 
And I think that that's where a lot of our institutions, really a lot of HBCUs, but that's where a lot of our institutions falter. And I think that that's not even a D2 situation because the, the, the school in, in D2 for sure, and really in all HBCUs, that's almost the best at messaging to a certain point is Morehouse because graduation, they're MVPs, and a lot of these HBCUs copied that blueprint by how they handle graduations, how they tell those stories. So I think that that's an all HBCU problem. And also, I wouldn't absolve the, the white schools because there are a lot of these, these, these predominantly white institutions that are also D2 that folks do not know about. I didn't, I never heard of Colorado School of Mines. I was like, that's a real place? Like, it's like, it's, it's a lot of schools, we white schools, I don't know. <laughs> a big time, big time engineering school in Colorado. Big time. Never heard of them. Big time, like. Yeah, big time engineering, like top, like top four in the country. Big time engineering. That's all the way I know. But but let me uh, let me address something about how media has changed over the last twenty years with the with the advent, obviously, and the proliferation of the the internet and the ability to stream and all that kind of stuff. What has happened in a lot of news departments is they cut staff, right? And one of the places that they cut it more than anywhere is in sports. So if I'm just using Birmingham as an example, right, uh, if they've only got two people working in their sports department and Alabama got a football game that Saturday, guess who ain't going to get seen? Pretty much everybody else. They're going to Alabama. Now, it's different uh, to an extent when you're in Albany, right? Albany, you're the only show in town. Ideally, it should be the same for somebody like Alabama State. There's no other school in Montgomery, but they go spend a lot of time and resources over in Auburn. And I work those places, and I know that they've cut those people. So being a, a part of the pecking order is important. I can throw stories at them all day, right? But they're still not coming if Alabama's got something bigger going, if UAB has something bigger can going. I, can I chime in on, on something real quick? Yep. I think that we got to go back to promoting how we used to promote. And when I say that, I, I get the whole aspect of the bigger schools, but maybe we we schedule things around those games, you know what I'm saying, to give the event an opportunity. Maybe we get back on the ground, you know, with posters, flyers, you know, uh, hanging stuff up on poles. I mean, I think I think it's a lot of we, – we're trying to use utilize social media but when I get on social media, I see everybody posting these flyers about transfer portal, and I see everybody post. So it's just another post. I think that we got to go back to the old school way of uh, promoting. I think that'll be a big that'll be a big help to what we're doing, and get off our behinds and just stop trying to use these phones. You know, I think again, <clears throat> I think that there's a lot. I think there's a lot of old school ways that you know that can be helpful. That that the that's aspect. That's but really, that's what, I, what, what I'll say is this really quickly um, is that that like how I feel, how I feel about it is especially as I'm growing my, my knowledge base more on on like the history of HBC football and I'm very inspired by uh, by um, colleague Jay Nicholson that was the SID at Grambling during those Eddie Robinson years and he was instrumental in a lot the classics they got a classic in Tokyo with Morgan State and all the different things I never heard about them until like really last Sunday and I did my research on them all weekend, and I'm reading a book about them. And there's no reason why College A. Nicholson was able to do all that he did in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And we have social media, and we have printers 
color printers and all the different things that we have. And we can't do something even bigger in, 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 in a situation where we have more media access because of streaming, because it's not centralized anymore. We have, we have so, so, social media to engage, to engage people. Like we have, we have NIL, like we have so many resources to build our programs and, and, and we're, and we're not. And, and I feel, I feel as if, and like I said, every, like I always say this too, HBCUs ain't always wrong. HBCU alumni aren't always wrong because there are white institutions that aren't doing what we want to do. Like they want that. They want to do the things we're doing, but I just really feel as if I, how I look at it. And I feel like we're having this use. I feel like what, what Coach Thomas said is true. But if, if College A. Nicholson and Eddie Robinson and all the folks back in the day could do it without no internet during Jim Crow and racism and, and all the different stuff going on, I feel like we can do it now. We can, but we can the, do it better. The, the difference is, the difference is, is that back then they knew that the only way this was going to happen was to invest in it. Go look around at, at a lot of these HBCUs right now, especially at the Division II level, and, and see which schools don't have full-time sports information that don't have full-time marketing department. All right. So that is the end of our conversation about the pioneer bowl. What do you think about it? Like, do you think that possibly it should come back? Do you think that is a relic of history and it should be left in 2014 and we've moved on? Do you think the playoffs are more valuable than a bowl game of that sort? What do you think? Because I think that these conversations are important because if there is some conversation and chatter about it, I believe that our commissioners and our leadership teams for our conferences will start to think. They'll start to formulate. They'll start to do case studies and surveys. They'll start to have conversation and possibly something could happen and maybe we could get some answers of why it should happen or why it shouldn't. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at HBCU Pulse. Make sure to follow us on TikTok and Twitter at VHBCU Pulse. And also make sure to subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And also watch our channel on HBCU League Pass Plus. We're channel 201. And we are a few days away from a huge announcement about HBCU Pulse Radio that you need to stay tuned for. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we'll see you on the other side. Like what you hear? Uh. Yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to HBCU HBCU Pulse Pulse Radio. Radio.